Yes, guys, welcome back to another episode of Teams Like Brighton. And God blimey, we're not we're not liking these uh, defeats, are we, Richie? Uh, seems seems to me we had a we, we definitely um, had our humble pie against Nottingham Forest on Wednesday. What do you think? Yeah, I actually think you predicted this. I think you said a couple of weeks back you saw Forest as a banana skin, which probably doesn't give you any joy to be correct. But um, Nostradamus Tom over here. But yeah, it was just... Uh, I Right from the off, I was worried because Brighton were sloppy in possession. Uh, obviously, in the 10th minute or so, Estupinian gives away a really, really clumsy penalty tries you know tries to i think run out from his own box forgets the ball and then fouls decker williams who i hope is okay obviously because he went to hospital after a, a pretty horrible um clash i think with another forest player but um yeah it just it just felt the yeah the warning signs were there pretty early on and then jason still creates a fantastic penalty save part of me did think could he have been there for the FA Cup? Nah, but anyway, no, we can't, we can't go down that rabbit hole, Richie. We can't. <laughs> um, but yeah, even even when um, Brighton started to sort of get get into the swing of things and start to play some good football, and were carving Forest open, and even when they took the lead, it didn't feel like a a very secure one. They like Dunk and Colwell were making uncharacteristic errors. Um, and I guess in the second half, I think a sort of tail off was expected because of the their grueling um the grueling match on Sunday in the FA Cup. But I think the sloppiness in in the first half was maybe not inexcusable, but I don't I think it was I don't think you can blame that on the FA Cup. Um so yeah, it never really felt like it was a secure lead. Obviously, Forrest Got um got a very fortuitous equaliser in deflected off gross past steel right before half time. And then for me, I think the actual turning point was really good breakaway from Brighton. Buonanotte, who obviously scored his first goal um for, for the club, so credit to him. Uh he lays it off to Matoma, and then it looks like Matoma for all the world is gonna just, you know caress it into the corner and it goes wide. And then I think after then, which was around the 60th minute or so, maybe a little bit later, Brighton just seemed to run out of puff. They, Forest were, for me, definitely the best team in the last half an hour or so. What's still nuts is that I think Brighton had 75% possession, more, you know, quite a few more shots. Um, but yeah, Caicedo, uncharacteristic error in the midfield, loses the ball. And then a few seconds later, uh, Danilo races away to score. Lewis Dunk, not quite sure what he was thinking with the, the handball. Uh, obviously, it was just out of his reach. And then he put out a naughty hand just to try to push it away, which is obviously you, you can't criticize him too much because he's so he's so fantastic pretty much all the time. You know, even superhumans make errors um so but yeah disappointed for him and then and obviously still couldn't save gibbs white one so yeah it was just one of those days where a lot seemed to go against brighton they weren't helped they were sort of the architects of their own downfall in some ways but credit to to forest uh their fans were fantastic that was probably the best 
home support I've experienced this season at the city ground. Um, so hopefully this is a case of just move on. But my worry, and then I'll throw this over to you, Tom. My worry is that because the games continue to come thick and fast and Brighton don't have as much squad depth as they would like with injuries and just the youngsters on the bench, um, I really hope they can turn it around at Wolves. But I I worry that this might be the... That, that defeat could put pay to Brighton's European chances. What do you reckon? Yeah. No, I, do you know what I was thinking about? I keep on thinking of positive ways and if I'm just thinking irrationally about that match against Forrest. And yeah, I did say it's going to be a banana skin moment. And annoyingly, I think that that was the kiss of death for us, really. Everything went up, went against us, I think. And I'm not saying that in a critical sense. I just think that that match was just one of those where it just wasn't meant to be. We tried so hard to get that early lead in, at just trying to knock the game dead. Because, well, if Forrest are 2 0 down, it will take a lot for them to actually push on from that because they'll yeah. have to be a bit more defensive and just, you know, just damage limitations, really. But that wasn't meant to be. You know, we had some cracking efforts. Don't get me wrong. Julian Ciso's effort was was a dead cert. If that if there was any other goalkeeper, it would be in. Any other keeper. But we've got a Champions League winning goalkeeper in Keelan Navas to face against. And do you know what? He was a massive difference. I, he was orchestrating the defence. He was motivational, pumping the crowd up. And, you know, he was instrumental in that because I've never experienced a fan base where they were so loud overall for 90 minutes. Yeah, they were quiet after we took the lead, but after they got the equaliser, that was motivation for them to not shut up in the second half. And don't get me wrong, we weren't quiet either. I was there. We weren't quiet. We were still chanting and singing. But 1,800 Brighton fans versus 27,000 Forest fans who are loud and just would not be quiet were... Were, they were pivotal, I think. They were essential for them to get those three points. Because once they took the lead, it was just all... And any tackle, any set piece they won, it was just like as if they've scored a goal. Because And you, you can't argue with that. I think that was just a case of it just wasn't going to be our day. Look, with Europe, a lot of people are saying, yeah, you've got a few games in hand. But I've said this before in this podcast. They're Manchester United, they're Newcastle United away, and they're Man City at home. They're not easy matches. We still got to play a lot of the teams above us. We've got a few teams below us. And I said before us was a banana skin, we need to win that. If that was at the Amex, we would have won it. No argument there. But now we've got the case of, right, we've just lost the Forest, who are battling for survival here. And that was a huge three points to them. Now... We go to Wolves and we've got to get a result there. And Lepetegui looks like he's getting a rhythm at Wolves. I think results have been quite unfair to them. Look, we've had off their shell VAR mishaps. They've had a lot more, a lot more. So they're going to be keen to get a result. We need a win if we want any chance of us getting back on track for European football. And like you say, the result, the games are coming thick and fast. I don't think we've got more than three days of rest in between matches now. In our last four matches, they're they're over ten days. It's going to be a huge test for 
our squad depth, our fitness. Players are going to get fatigued. We're going to pick up injuries towards the end of the season now because the youngsters haven't got a lot of minutes in them. They haven't got a lot of experience in them. Mistakes are going to be made. We Again, it's going to be a case of we've got to try and do damage control here, I think. I think we got could get a result at Wolves. Whether or not um, it's going to be as positive as we need it to be remains to be seen. But I can't believe I'm going to say this whole cliche here, but we need to beat teams like Wolves. We do. That's no disrespect to Wolves. But when you look at our fixture list, we need to get as many points as we can. And on paper, Wolves are beatable. But then again, Forest were beatable as well. Granted, they were away and the city grounds an absolute fortress for them. Five league wins now out of six. They've got one league win Forest have away from home. You just know that, that there's a reason why the city grounds become a bit of a fortress for them. But look, we need the results. We need them thick and fast. Fatigue is coming in. We we just need some, we just need a positive turn. We really do. Yes. Um, I, I think the with Wolves, obviously, I'm just looking at the Premier League table here. So they've won three of the last four and they've picked up 10 for a possible 15, which is a pretty good return. Um, they're, I think, just have a look here. They're eight points above the drop zone. So pretty much one more win will will guarantee their safety. Um, so their tails are certainly up. I do, yeah, I do think Brighton can beat them. Again, it's not the 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 longest turnaround from from Wednesday night. Um, hopefully, Evan Ferguson will be back. He before the Forest game, uh, deserved. He said he didn't want to take any risks with the eighteen-year-old who who's been out for a couple of games um, after coming off against Chelsea earlier this month. Joel Veltman wasn't risked. Uh, he also came off against Chelsea, played this a little bit of the second half and extra time uh, against Manu, but didn't wasn't risked again. Webster also wasn't risked. So hopefully these players will be coming back. I would love to see Ferguson start. That would be fantastic. If not, maybe maybe um, Welbeck up top. I I think obviously against Forest and CISO was leading the line, and I think there was plenty of. Um, positivity in that display certainly in the first half he he had sort of it, it looked like he was not quite at the Chelsea level but there were times when he was just playing putting off some brilliant um tricks and flicks really really is an exciting talent um but yes I think you know just because Brighton have games in hand doesn't mean they're going to win those games in hand and I think this there's a the first few games are pretty key because Brighton have got a bit of a longer break. So obviously next um, Thursday, they host Manu. Obviously they've got uh, Wolves at the Amex on Saturday. Then on the bank holiday, Monday on the 8th of May, they've got Everton at home. And then the 14th of May, Arsenal away. So there you've got a little bit more time, but then the following ones, it's just boom, boom, boom. It's really, really tough. Um, so hopefully, if you just look at the fixtures that Brighton got that are winnable, you've got Wolves that you on paper you think they'd win, Everton at home, Southampton at home. So they're three games that you hopefully pick up nine points, which takes Brighton from, touch wood, from 49 to 58. I do think probably 
if Brighton want to get Europe, they probably have to get into the 60s. I'm not quite sure how high, but um, yeah, I, I think what will be key is Brighton really cannot afford to get any more injuries. Um, hopefully they can get some players back. But yeah, this is a this is a tough test. Wolves are definitely um, have definitely improved under uh, the new boss. So yeah, I think it will be it will definitely be a difficult one. And I think Brighton will definitely want to bounce back. I think there will be extra motivation to bounce back from that defeat uh, at Forest. Um, I just wonder if if he'll make changes again. Um, I think. It was a pretty bold, bold call going for some of the calls that he did. You know, and CISO is a false nine. Bonanote obviously coming on for his first Premier League start. Um, but yes, I think what, one thing that just um, one interesting takeaway I think from the game I just want to add up or add, sorry, is um, uh, I wrote a, a piece where uh, Deserby spoke at length about uh, you know um, squad depth injuries and mentality um and i'll just read a little snippet he says um when he was asked if brighton have enough depth to play three games a week in europe for next season he said i don't know uh, i am honest i don't want to speak in this way when we lose a game i'm proud of my players even though we lost uh, we will speak with tony bloom at the end of the season we are suffering too many injuries at this moment and i just thought with you know the fact that he hasn't really, um, in the last few games, he hasn't really used that many different substitutes. It just kind of made me think back to at the end of the January transfer window when he said, um, I think I need some players in some positions. I spoke a lot of times with Tony Bloom. He knows my opinion very well because we are a very good team and we can improve also from the transfer market window. We lost Trussard and, and this was obviously when Caicedo looked like he could potentially go he said, we lost Trossard and if we lose Caicedo, it can be a problem for us if we want to fight for a European spot or finish on the table. If we sell at this, we can stay, but I don't like it. So, Tom, do you think the difference between Brighton potentially getting into Europe or not would be the Brighton not maybe signing more players for the now in January or at least a replacement for Trossard because Trossard could play a false nine, a winger, attacking midfielder. And he was obviously the joint top scorer. So obviously, they, sorry, just to add, they did bring in Bonanotte and Iari, but 18 and 19 yeah. year olds. Yeah. What, what do you reckon? It's it's a hard one, isn't it? Uh, I, I, talking of squad depth, I'm just having a look at all the players that are out on loan at the moment. You know, we've got Steven Alzate, Kel Sherpin, I don't think he's going to got much of a future with us. Um, Mikhail Kabalfnik, again, the guy who said he wants to be, who's a defender, and now he's gone to becoming a midfielder, is frustrating. Andy Zakiri's been quite impressive over at Bale, but he's got a option to buy. Whether or not they're going to exercise that remains to be seen. We've still got some exciting youngsters, you know, Kasper Kozlowski and um, another one I'm trying to think of, Simon Adingra as well over at um, USG, who's been fantastic for them. So we've got players coming in. It's just a case of whether or not Deserby sees that they're good enough. And I do agree on the sentiment. I think if we don't get Europe, 
the transfer direction will be a lot different. If we get Europe, that means we're playing midweek a lot more. Well, at least six times the next season, which can take its toll. So with that, we've got to think about possible replacements as well as adding in squad depth. Like we, we could be looking at calls for five, six set, five, six new players coming in or at a push at the very least four, I think, as if we if we get the loanees doing well. So it remains to be seen. Again, we know what Bloom's like. He's got a scenario for every single direction. He's got a transfer list if we don't get Euro. He's probably got a transfer list if we've got conference and a transfer list if we get Europa. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. I think we will be recruiting in the summer. Look, we've got talks of um, João Pedro at the time of recording this for Watford coming to us. And it's very close to uh, Fabrizio Romano. Here we go. So it's quite clear that we are looking to recruit. And I like the fact that he's getting it done as quickly as we possibly can. And if we could get players like João Pedro in, reinforcing the attack, very fluid in the, in the attack in, and in positioning as well, fits very well with Deserve's philosophy. We could be in for a good summer. But it all remains to be seen. It's a classic we've got to wait and see at this moment in time. I do see a lot more players leaving if we don't get Europe at all, which means that we're going to be two, three steps back. So then we have to recruit for those numbers as well as getting some squad depth in. But it's so hard to call at the moment. But I do see us having a different transfer approach in the window if we don't get Europe. But do you think it was a mistake for Brighton not to strengthen more in January because it's just gone? No, I... I think that's too much of a risk, really. Who could we have brought in within our transfer budget, within our wage structure? I think it's well documented that we've got, I think it's like the 18th, 17th um, highest wage structure, wage budget in the whole of the league. I don't you mean lowest? No, 17th highest. 17th highest. Well, we've got, we've got the fourth lowest. We've got the fourth lowest wage structure. So... Um, we're, we're in this position where we've got we've got to be really strict with our finances and all of all of the purchases that we have made are calculated risks and Bloom loves a calculated risk so I think if, with Trossard going that was just a curveball that was thrown by us thrown by him even should we have got someone in possibly but we got Breno Notte in and he's very much, he, he looks like a, di- a different quality kind of player. And CISO's finally getting getting himself into place. There are a lot of positives in this squad, and there are opportunities for youngsters to really step up. Whether or not they do is another matter. We, we're very much focused on the youth, so give youth the chance. I say, I, I just don't think we would it. It would have gone against a lot of the club's philosophy and ethos in the transfer window if we went to recruit because it would have been panic buying and it would be players that wouldn't fit our system and I think it would have been one positive step to two negative steps backwards Fair I guess yeah my, my thing yeah, is a good point about um, 
you know, not throwing away the strategy that got them to this point. That's a, you know, definitely a point well made because they've had so much success. I just, yeah, I, I just feel if Brighton, uh, you know, wanted, and obviously injuries is a massive factor and you can't really, I guess you can expect injuries are going to happen, but you can't tell to what positions and, and whatnot. Um, obviously, some bad news in the week was it sounds like Lamptey's out for the season. Mode is definitely not coming back this season. Lalana might play. I think he said that he was at 80%. Uh, so he could maybe, you know, it would be great to have him back in, in the final games of the season just for that bit of extra quality and experience and, and nous. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm a bit torn, but I do feel... But the thing is, Brighton have proven me wrong so many times because I've just thought they would be weaker when they sell their best, but somehow they get better. It's just at some point it probably um, it probably won't work out to the same extent, but it just keeps on working. So I hundred percent get it. I just feel that because they they lost a player who could play in so many positions in Trossard, I just think some, having an extra. And someone come in would have definitely helped. Um, but it's, you're right. Who would it have been? Not sure. Brighton have probably got their targets lined up for the summer. They probably would. Yeah, they, I think Paul Barber's said, and you know, he's talked about what Tony Blooms thinks, essentially saying January window is not our window. As you said, Tom, it's inflated prices. It's a bit more panic buying. Um so yeah, I just wonder if I just hope that it's not a case of they fall short because they don't quite have the the bodies uh, to help out. But we shall see. Um, so moving on, Tom. Obviously, we've touched upon Wolves. Um, they, well, I think it was maybe the just after. Yeah, they announced Lopetegui um, had been confirmed as Wolves boss, but I don't think he was in charge at the time when Brighton beat Wolves at Molyneux in a thrilling 3-2 win um, there. Do you think it will be similar, exciting game? Do you think it will be a bit more of a tight affair? Um, how do you I see it? I think it's going to be tight. It's going to be a tight one. Lopetegui's footprint at Wolves is very much set in stone now and they're doing well as a result of it. They've been robbed on a few occasions thanks to VAR and a few apologies from Howard Webb to the point that Lebetiki is just fed up with it. But they still got the results and they're in a very good position. I think if they get another win, they stay up. They need another three points at least, I think, for them to really secure that um, Premier League status for next season anyway. They have a good midfield structure, a very good midfield. And we saw what happened at Forest where we got suffocated in the middle of the park. It seems to work. And Wolves apply a similar tactic. And don't get me wrong, Moises Caicedo and Alexis McAllister are a very, very good midfield duo. But Lamina and Ruben Neves shouldn't be underestimated either. So I think we're going to be in for really tough tough task they like to play five at the back which will again put a bit of a strain on our wingers um it may be a case that we might have to overload on the wings so that pushes our our full backs 
or wing backs a little bit further up. That'll put the defense at strain. I know I'm, I know I sound really pessimistic right now, but I just want to be a bit realistic here because Wolves are a very very good side and they've been very underwhelming this season. I think they're one of the most one of the underwhelming sides, to be honest with you, because they do have quality in that squad and they really should be higher up the league or they should be nowhere near the relegation battle that they have been this season. And we saw that at Molyneux. They were very good. They they had that bit of a slight new manager bounce. Yeah, Lepetegui wasn't really involved in the match decision, so shall we say, but they still put in a bit of a fight. And I think they're going to put in an even more of a fight at the Amex. It'll be interesting to see how what tactics they deploy. We know Samedo's an absolute wind-up merchant. So whether or not he wants to try and get a bit of revenge on Matoma and just put him in his back pocket... We're we're seeing some great great battles with Matoma and the and the uh, fullbacks at, in the Premier League. A couple of them have found him out a little bit, whereas others have are trying to do a bit too much. So it'll be interesting to see how he reacts. I think Sonny March has got gold in him at the Amex. He's going to have one hell of a reception. So I think he's going to respond in kind. I like to see. I like to see us get a win. I really do, but I, I don't know. My my heart says win. My head says draw. At the moment, I think we're. I, but I do think we're going to be in for a really hard match. Yeah, I I, I I don't think Wolves are that good to be honest. I I think um, I, I think the uh, the most of the bottom half have been pretty poor this season. Um, sure, Wolves are a team who in the past have done well, but I don't. I they've definitely. I think underperform based on the talent and quality that they have. But if you actually look at sort of the games that they've gone, so that they've had this season, I don't think they've, I think too often they've been pretty under par. I mean, I'm just looking at the, um, uh, I mean, this is maybe take it with a pinch of salt, but just in terms of like looking at the XG table, um, Wolves actually based off the sort of the chances they've created and, and had against them, um, their, their actually expected points total is 33, yet they're on 37. So they've actually overperformed. Um, 33 points would put them basically just, you know, a few points uh, above the drop zone. So, I yeah, I, I think they've definitely got some good players. I think um, uh, Jimenez has, is, seems like a shadow of his former self, uh, the striker. I think even he's not even... I mean, he might be injured. I'm not quite sure, but he's, I think, only scored a handful of goals this season at tops. When he, you know, a couple of years ago, he was obviously had that horrible injury, which I think has probably affected him sadly. Uh, but he was like a 20 goal striker kind of guy, at least double figures. Um, the fact that they've, I think, they're starting with Diego Costa at times, who is again another player who is a bit over the hill for me. Um, I that he's definitely uh, the manager's definitely getting a tune out of them at the moment, so they're coming into a good patch. But I still think they're very much beatable. Um, they, I, and again, I, I probably disagree. Tom, I, I didn't, I didn't think they were particularly good at Molyneux. I, I thought they showed flashes where they were good, but Brighton for me were by far the better team. Um, it was, you know, I thought it was a bit fortunate that it was as close as it was for Wolves. Um, because 
I mean, the fans really got on their backs a lot of times because they weren't happy with how they were playing for long periods. So I think the question is, if Brighton are well, well rested enough, I think they win this game. Um, I wonder if Deserby will rotate. It's interesting that Billy Gilmore never gets a game. I get, I know because you go, well, you're not taking out Gross, you're not taking out McCassie, you're not taking out Caicedo. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that, for example, a Buonanotte, a Yari are being chosen over him is is interesting. Um, unfortunately, Brighton are, are, are like short in areas in the same positions. So Veltman and Lamptey both injured. They haven't got a backup to Estupinian. Ferguson and Welbeck have been out injured. It's this annoying sort of double up thing that they have, unfortunately. Um, So Wolves have definitely got the players to hurt Brighton, but I just don't, I don't think, um, I, yeah, I I think they're not as good as uh, I think you're giving them credit for, to be fair. I hope this doesn't come back to haunt me, but um, I I think Brighton, um, yeah, I think the caveat is if they're well enough rested, I think they can win this one. I, I think I'm going for a, uh, I'll go for a, a two nil win. Ooh, I'd see. I'm got my heart says a two nil win, and my head says two all. So uh, it'll be interesting to see which which one's right. So hopefully it's my heart that does it. But yeah, there we go, guys. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Yes, again, uh, to us. Be sure uh, to follow us on Twitter and be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube and whatever whatever uh, podcast platform that you're listening on. Uh, thanks again, guys, and take care. Enjoy Wolves, and here's the three points. Up the Albion. <laughs>